Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. listeners i'm joined by jimmy and sam for this week's episode if you're here and listening to this you know there's only really one thing for us to digest and that's the shambles that we were served up in blackpool at the weekend so without further ado we'll crack on enjoy hello boys um it's yeah it's not not gonna be a pleasant pod today i don't think well i know it's not why <laughs> i don't think you need need explaining there jim to be honest, we can still we can still have a pleasant pod despite. Well, yeah, we we can have a pleasant pod, but the, the topic of discussion isn't going to be a positive one. Um, which, to be honest, there's not really much to be positive about at the minute, especially off the back of Saturday. Um, it's yeah, it's not been great. But are you two both well? I'm still furious about yesterday, but health wise, I'm fine. Yeah, it's a bit of a cold, bit of a cold. Thanks for your brew yesterday, mate. I quite enjoyed my uh, my half time coffee no, at the, fine, uh, at the game. What, it was, uh... What's um, what's the point in having a friend in press if you can't utilize them for something? Exploit them. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, probably gonna, a better phrase. I was going to knit your sausage roll, but I you thought could have had it, mate. I had two bites out of it, and it was shit. Oh, I see. <laughs> Good review of Blackpool's press press box, isn't it? So. Um... I just really? didn't really fancy a pie. I saw sausage rolls. I was like, Joe, I'll have one of them. I had one for so a while. Yeah, but um yeah, before we start, I've just I've got a few things that I'd just like to say about yesterday. Obviously the first league derby against Blackpool in, in over eight years. Well, in over eleven years actually, sorry. And and it promised so much after six years of being ahead of Blackpool in terms of the league position. And it, it was a time for heroes, but after the dismal showing at home against Derby in the game that immediately followed Mr. Hemming's passing, this felt like another chance to put the put right the wrongs from that day and give the fans something to sing and shout about. It was a chance for players to become history makers, and what we got instead couldn't have been further from that. Prior to kick off, obviously, as George has said elsewhere on on the Facebook Live that we did yesterday in, in, in one or two of his pieces, it felt like the Blackpool fans knew that they had the game won. In the in the opening moments of the game, they just swarmed all over us. Perhaps that was to be expected, perhaps not. I suppose that depends how you look at, at derby games in particular, but they were playing at home. They lost the last time we faced in the Cup eight years ago, and they wanted it, and that was evident from, from the get-go. And what transpired from around 2.30 until the final whistle is something that, It'll sting. It it'll it'll annihilate the feeling that most fans have towards the club, and it's a game that won't be forgotten anytime soon. Because at the moment, on and off the pitch, we look like a club that are up the creek without a paddle. It feels, it feels like the inevitable will happen, and just like summer was, the next move is vital for the club and our immediate future as well. And the way that we're going at the minute, it seems like we're only heading in one direction. If anyone involved with the club feels otherwise, then fair enough. That's that's your prerogative. That's how you feel. But 
you know, we're all entitled to our opinions at the end of the day, and we're ultimately fans of the club and we care. Um, while Alex Neal's reign ended in a very sour way compared to how it began, it was clear to see that after the sale of Jordan Hugel and the failure to replace his goals, that we were only heading one way. And you can understand why a manager who had us in seventh in his first season in charge, top of the table in November in 2019, probably felt like he'd done probably enough and all that he could with the tools that were at his disposal, even though by all accounts he'd down tools toward the end. His side was being asset stripped in front of his eyes, and years of rank average recruitment following that, and recently a lack of direction off the pitch has accumulated in the horror show that we saw yesterday on the Fowl Coast. So for the next hour or so, Jim, Sam and I, we're going to try and digest the game against Blackpool and look at how we move forward as a club from this. It's going to be tough but if you're here listening thank you very much and finally as i say at the start of every episode you can support us here at from the finney uh, if you head over to supported.acast.com forward slash from the finney uh, yeah anything that's received is greatly appreciated and final one if you if you're listening on an apple device uh, specifically on the apple podcast app then if you could leave us a review on there as well that'd be great so yeah i think in terms of places to start let's talk about off the pitch beforehand. Jim, I think you might be best place to talk there because George and I got to the ground quite early, didn't really see much. We heard a lot about what was going on outside the ground, but didn't really see much ourselves. And to be fair, like I only got to Blackpool at Arpus One, you know, Blackpool South. And I, I've never worked in the police forces, so I don't want to comment too much. Paul is probably the better man to make a comment on it. And I know obviously a lot of fans have had grievances about the handling from the Lancashire Constabulary yesterday. I was shocked to see only two coppers there when I got off the train. And literally, as soon as you got off out of Blackpool South, it was a free pool. Could go wherever you want. And yeah, I was I was surprised by that because there was an atmosphere. And I mean, it, you know, it was just waiting for, just felt like it was waiting for a spark to be tipped on the petrol that was already lining the place, you know, to, for it to go off. But outside the, the away end itself was just an absolute shambles trying to get into the ground you know that it was just a mess and yeah I mean don't get me wrong we've got we've had some idiots there yesterday that haven't behaved themselves and not covered the club in any sort of good light at all you know with the antics at half time or what has it done to the gents you know I've not a clue what's going on there but by all accounts it was an absolute mess which you know it's got to be it's got to be sort of called out and said like behave yourselves boys God's sake and then after the game, what a mess. What an absolute shambles. Like, Ketlin is in, I get that, but at least let us know he's holding us back. And then for them to just open up a, a road, literally walking straight into Blackpool, like fans coming the opposite direction. It was like a, a crossroads. And, you know, you've got a credit to both sets of supporters for behaving themselves as much as possible, um, as, as, as well as they did. Because like I was like, what's going on? Because yeah, like, by, by all accounts, it could have been it could have been carnage, couldn't it? Yeah, you had Blackpool walking one way and North End walking across him. I was like, "What? Just hold, you know, hold one set of supporters back, you know, to actually like get rid of the crowds before you let people through." I just thought, "Wow!" And then like when we got back to Blackpool South, you know, I, I was lucky; I got on the platform quite quickly. But you know, there was lads getting you know held back because obviously the platform was quite full. You know, people getting agitated. By all accounts, there's a couple of scuffles breaking out. And it's just like, you know what? I know we've not played him for 11 years. I know there's probably a little bit of 
naughtiness on both sides, but I just thought, you know, it's just so badly handled. It's like they've had so long to prepare for this fixture. And, you know, football accounts are some coppers up at this summit in Glasgow this weekend for this climate change thing. And that's why they were short on numbers, but it's just no excuse. It was just so badly handled and badly managed. It's not like they've not known it's coming. No, of course not. You know, the the amount of prep that they could have done. And that's not a dig at Paul. You know, that's not a dig at Paul. No, no. Because like it's out of Paul's hands, like, you know, and... Like you said, we're, we're probably... It's not his, it's not his fixture. not best place to, to discuss it because we, I'm we not, don't I'm work for the police. Point of view. We, you know, we're just talking about what we've heard and, and what's been put on social media, but... Well, what I've seen. It's like, it's just, well, yeah. so, just so badly handled, like, and, you know, they've got to look at the stewarding as well because that was just poor, you know, actually at the ground. You know, for the whole away end, it's going to be four turnstiles. Yeah, just, just a shit show. I think it's a shame in 2021 we're still talking about sort of violence at football games being a thing, but at the end of the day, I don't think you're ever going to be able to extinguish it, not only in this country, anywhere in the world. So I think hopefully, you know, we can use this as a catalyst for the, maybe the police to have a look at themselves. As you say, we can't best comment, hopefully try and be better prepared for uh, the later fixtures. Because like Jim said, I was trying to get out after the game and I was sent down that back alley and it was quite intimidating. There were a fair few, you know, sort of younger generation North End fans in the crowd and I just hope they haven't seen anything that's put them off in the future what can be, you know, a really enjoyable day. Yeah. yeah. You don't um, want to take your kids to that fixture. No. You know, if I, no. Take, I would not take my kids at all to that fixture. But that's just because I know what Blackpool's like and, you know, I, I know as a fixture it's not, uh, the most pleasant fixture on the calendar, if we're honest. You know, there's certain fixtures you could take your family to. Blackpool away, sadly, isn't one of them. Not one of them. But um, anyway. Yeah, let's let's talk about the more the more pressing matters. Um, obviously, the matters on the pitch. I, I just think... want to discuss the game. Can we discuss the game first before we like, get stuck into what, like, the absolute... Because, you know, it's like Pandora. Yeah, that's what pops. I'm saying. We'll, we'll talk about what yeah. happened on the pitch. It's because uh, you, you know you covered it off really well actually when you start you know with what you mentioned at the start and I think something I want to do pick up on is that you said we are just fans and we are just fans we're fans that give up you know a couple of hours each week to go do a podcast for the wider audience if that makes sense and you know people can have a dig at me I don't give a shit about this but you know we do it off our own back you know we don't get paid for it we just do it for the love of our club and as paying fans we're going to give our opinion and people like might get the hump, you know, about some of the things that I might say, and you know, I generally I'm not going to lose any sleep, you know, about it because we're giving up our time to sort of support the club. You know, we've come, we've mentioned things on here that have been implemented at the club and by other other groups, and like, you know, even if we just give a spark of an idea and it gets someone else can snowball it because let's be fair, we don't have the time then absolutely I'll 100% give my all to people who do that. But like, I just think we're in a situation now as a club. Like, the fan base is a little bit splintered. We just need to pull together because these next few months could be quite rocky, especially after mm-hmm. everything that's happened off the pitch in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you say you say the fan base is quite splintered at the minute. I actually think this is probably the most united I've seen the fan base. But I think we'll... We'll come on to that in more detail later on. We'll we'll start by discussing the game. As I said at the start, you could tell from minute one they just wanted it more. You know, there's you can talk about tactics, which we will do. You can talk about setup. You can talk about team shape. You can talk about team selection. But 
you've got to want it on Derby Day when it's a game that's been in the making for as long as that one has. You know, we, we didn't look like we wanted that at all. At all. Felt like George at the nail on the head, like you said with what you said before. You were talking about the Blackpool fans singing at, you know, half an hour until kickoff, like they'd already won the game. And I think everything leading up to it, you know, the form Blackpool have been on and the positive trajectory they've had over the last three or four years, obviously replaced in Oyston and potentially the, uh, maybe not turmoil, but the issues we've had off the field in the last three or four years, it's always going to be leading up to this moment. And I think if you asked any Preston fan, or certainly 95% of them, how the game will pan out tomorrow, I think everyone was really seeing it coming. You know, we're all sat here, you know, furious, aggrieved, however you want to describe how we're feeling. But I think anyone, if you ask them honestly, was going to expect this to happen yesterday. So as aggrieved as we all are, it's no shock. And I think that's the biggest disappointment for us fans is we're almost losing a bit of excitement at the weekend, whether it's the negative tactics or, you know, like we said, the downward trajectory. It just seems to all be sort of everything's so negative at the minute. Sam, I think you're the nail on the head, to be honest, mate. You know what, Jay? Give you... George, a bit of credit. That post-match <laughs> thing. Okay. <laughs> that post-match, like raw emotion video, eighteen minutes long was quality, because uh, you summed it up so perfectly, like how every fan were feeling. You know, there's the anger, at the performance that the players had just put in. There was the frustration about the event. There was the sort of admiration about how Blackpool's fans, literally from quarter past two in that ground, was making it a party atmosphere, and. It must have been like, you know, for the players, I just thought we never started, you know, and we'll discuss the goals in a minute, but we just never got going. I was just, I was shocked that we put in that sort of performance in a derby. I, like, you know, there's a few lads who can come out of the game with the head held high. Brownie shouldn't get sent off because if Brownie doesn't get sent off, I think he's actually done all right yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. He wore his heart on his sleeve and like yeah. he, threw, he threw himself into challenges. He won the ball a lot, tried to keep the ball progressing. I know he goes backwards a lot with the ball, but when there's zero option in front of him to progress the ball into like attacking areas, what do you expect Possession to do? Possession retention is better than nothing. It's better than giving the ball away from an aimless punt up, up the pitch. Precisely. So, you know, I, I'm just, I was so frustrated at the performance and I just felt they were set up badly. You know, the, the lads... You know this five-four-one shape we went to because it's not three-four-three. It is not three-four-three. Like I'm sick of hearing about this three at the back. It is not three at the back. Can we just draw a line? We are playing with five defenders across the back line, and our wing backs get forward when they can. It is not three-four-three. You know Daniel Johnson played right side of the four-man midfield yesterday, and Scott Sinclair played the left-hand side of it. And Emil Reese was so isolated. He was 20 yards away from anybody at most points because he was trying to lead the line so well on his own. But, oh my God, he can't do everything on his own. Feeding off scraps, uh, on it. But it wasn't even that. I mean, he was trying to create things out of nothing. And like, uh, you know, when when they didn't have the ball, I think what they tried to do is leave Scott Sinclair slightly higher forward than DJ. And DJ would just sit into the midfield as like make a three with Brown, Whiteman and DJ. And Sinclair would be feeding off the left. When Sinclair got booked, you know, by for a tackle that he got, that was from when he's tucked in to make a four-man midfield. You know, there's no getting away from it. It was 5-4-1. Can we have a bit of honesty? You know, Frankie's talked about honesty during the week and how he's an honest manager. Can we stop saying it's 3-4-3 when it's not? Because that really frustrated me. And the goal that we concede, it, the back five, Sepp's tucked in, their full-back's bombed on. DJ's not trapped the runner. So their fullback is in the final third with no pressure on him. 
He was Kashi given Anders, the freedom of that left side of the pitch, wasn't he? DJ's not tracked him, mm. the fourth okay. man of the midfield, right? And Keshi Anderson's tucked inside. Literally, it's a simple pass. We're static, you know, and it's a simple finish. And I, I think, I think Dan is probably wrong footed himself. And I can't believe where the ball's Look, looks like he's taken a, a step onto a step to the left. left. He's put pressure on his left foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he can't get back the other side. You know, what it's like as a keeper, you can't. You know, you're not. Your momentum shifts, and, and and that's yeah. it, isn't it? And I mean, oh, it's just such a basic goal to concede. And if you look at the root cause of the goal, Richard Keogh has the ball. I think it's Keogh, left side centre half. He has the ball uh, on the halfway line. He's, he's only got Reese around him, and it's a simple ball into their fullback, the the lad with the scuffy air, um, the, the left. And it, literally, I was like, when you watch it, it's like it's the most basic goal in the world. But it's, it's littered with errors from our point of view in terms of how we could stop that goal happening. And that's so annoying. Like, it's just basic tactical shape, you know. And, yeah, I was just really d- disappointed with that because if you have two up top, at least then you're putting Keo under pressure and not leaving Reese isolated. You can, you can look at that as the start point of the, the problem. Like, you've gone with this midfield that we've never played before. Like, and it just left Reese so isolated. And you played two up top. And that goal doesn't happen, I don't think. I think you cut out the root cause of the problem. Because because then Sep can engage with their full their full back. You know, Anderson doesn't get the freedom of freaking Blackpool to pl- place it in the bottom corner. And I just thought, no, no. Right, it's so easy. I think one of the main sort of criticisms of Frankie during his time at the club's really been his sort of out of his depth tactically. You know, we saw it the Brentford game during that sort of end of season tenure, he had all his intemporary charge where he sort of got tactically outdone with a sort of Boston and Norwich game and this season as well. You're looking at games like Hull, for example, and yesterday and Derby where we're just struggling to get a kick. And I think each game's just sort of been more and more proof that perhaps he is out of his depth tactically. And, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we're getting beat off teams. These squad-wise probably aren't any worse off than us. We've played a lot of teams that are down towards the bottom of the table and, we're having, you know, we've won three games in 14. Like, that's your proof that he's not the man for the job because that's a shocking start and we've played We've had a decent fixture list as well, in my opinion. Yeah, it's well, been on paper. It? It's second... been a relatively easy start, hasn't it? Soccer stats had us as the second easiest run so far in terms of fixtures against teams we've played in the league, and we're sixth bottom. Yeah, so it's not. It's not, it's not um, on your Frankie point, mate. It's like it's really frustrating. I, I, I said to someone last night when we came off the game. I said we've not lost that under Frankie. Uh, under Alex Neal, sorry, we would not have lost that game under Alex Neal, not in the way we did. And people can I don't think we'd have lost half the games I've lost this season over under Alex Neal. And and this is the Alex Neal when he first came. Let me be brutally honest about that. You know, don't wrong. Alex yeah. Neal won the derby against Blackburn Rovers. People conveniently forget that a month before he left the club. You know, he, yeah. he won a derby game because he can and set a team up right for a derby game. His his record was nigh on impeccable while he was here. I think there was the. One Wigan game or two Wigan games, maybe. Possibly. And then obviously one the Wigan Black, game, Blackpool game. Got sent off. The Blackpool game at home. Other than that, in four years, won everyone. Oh no, there was a couple of draws, mm. but other than that, he, he's won the rest. Yeah. These similarities though between Blackpool yesterday and what we were under in Neil's early in, in the early Neil. I thought I envy. I think I tweeted at the time. I envy our Blackpool set up yesterday. You know they've got. Wingers, they've got full-backs who are going to try and bomb forward. They're energetic, they're on the front foot, attacking football. It's a lot of characteristics that we 
you know, really got plaudit for under Alex Neil. And I'm to be fair, Neil Critchley there, rivals aside, they've done a fantastic he's done a fantastic job. And they're a club on the up at the end of the day, and we're not. And Prest I think you know, well. if we can learn anything about yeah, pressed exactly. Key characteristic under Alex Neil, like the way we were three years ago. And at the end of the day, it looks like the way that club's heading, they're gonna capitalise on it when we clearly didn't, when we've had the influx of money in from the Hugo transfer and stuff like that. Yeah, Gary Medine came out just after the game and said his nickname's Mini, like Mini Pep. So, like, because he's yeah, really, like that. he's done a right job on us, you know. And well, I, I think um, it was in the summer. Ollie got pelters, didn't he, for predicting that Blackpool would finish above us? But well, know, they're going to. I, I th- you know, Jake, it's clubs on different trajectories. Yeah, you know, they're spending four million quid on a new training ground and a new facility on Central Drive, which is going to rejuvenate the town. You know, our new training ground is at Exton, and don't wrong it. Excellent, looks like a great facility, but we're building a load of houses on the on the Ingle one. It's like, you know, it's just like, and it's just apathy. You know, the fan base has just got such a degree of apathy about it at the minute. And when I said splinter before, Jake, I don't think it is United. I think it's United about the, the head coach leaving. Yeah, but I don't think it's that's United. That's what I meant because there's so many digs and so many you know comments on social media about against each other at the minute. And it's like you can't have an opinion without someone having a go. And it's like. You know, I think it should be applauded that we've got so many fans on social media that uh, aren't afraid to give their opinion. But the what what just does because my head you don't, in on that just, is is the needless, endless but just because you don't agree with it, scoring. Jake. That's what I mean. Just because you don't agree with someone's opinion doesn't mean you have to belittle them or have a you know. Yeah. It's that you know. There's a point during the week, and I've got it in my notes here about you know nobody wants Fanky to lose his job. Nobody wants him to lose his job. You know, because it's, end of the day, he's got a livelihood. But, yeah, it's never nice to talk about that. But I, I, you've got to look at the comments that Frankie's made to the press this week. You know, it's the comment about, you know, after Tuesday night, after Wednesday night's game, about some people sitting here are probably disappointed that we've won the game to the press. I mean, come on. You know, you're stoking the fire when you make comments like that, Frankie. It's one, you know, because that was one win in seven, was it? And he's come out and, and basically slagged off the fan or part of the fan. It's one win in eight. It's one, one winning win in after, after one yesterday. Eight. After yesterday, it's one win in nine league games. You know, and, and so for me, he's come out like, swinging at the fans, come out swinging at the press, and basically said on Wednesday night, "I'm happy for the good, honest Preston fans, i.e., those that aren't slagging me off." Well, I'm sorry, you can't you can't divide a fan base as the manager of the football club like that. It's poor. It's poor. Mm-hmm. No one's got an agenda against Frankie. Frankie had us top of the league. I think people would be wanting him out. No, people care about the football we play and they care about the results we get on the pitch and they care about the future at the club and at the end of the day, all have been negative so far this season. Mm, that's yeah. why fans wouldn't want us to lose. We potentially want change that's going to lead to a successful football club. No one has exactly. an agenda against him and it's almost like he's taken it to heart. And then to yeah. turn on the press as well and say on, on Wednesday after the game that there's people sat in the press box that are probably are disappointed that they've that they've won the game. That's it. No, it's I'm bollocks, Jake. That. Jake, it's bollocks, and it's just That's comments of a man under pressure. Yeah, of course it is. And I mean, the thing that is alarming is that I don't think any fan, you know, or media person wants to see us lose a football match. And, and no, not media person because at the end of the day, everyone in our media is a fan of the club. Said you, you and George, you, you're both fans. You know, no one wants us to lose a game of football. I, I think, you know, regardless of the opinion on Frankie. We just want to win every football match that we can, or at least. And if you're not going to win the game, then at least put in a performance that you can be proud relate of. to, relate to. Yeah, and yeah, be proud of because you know, as a as a as a town, as a city, we're, 
we're a proud we're a proud city because you know look we're, at what we're, we're a working by. class we're a working class northern town i can't remember who it was which former manager uh, i don't know if it was simon grayson after wesley left and he came in and he or it might have even been graham wesley you know said something along the lines of the fans of this club just want to see hard working players that are going to give their all for the shirt and while to an extent that is true you know, there's there's more that we want to see from 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 the team when you go and support them. You want to see them look like they've got some kind of idea of what they're supposed to be doing on a match day, not getting to half time and needing a rollicking to to kickstart the game. With no identity no, strategy, which is completely like the opposite, polar opposite of what we had to Alex Neil, which I found a bit confusing considering McAvoy spent his entire football career under Alex Neil, pretty much. So you do wonder, don't you know, where he's got these philosophies philosophies from? Yeah. Just disappointing, you know, and coming back onto the Blackpool game, the second goal. Oh, oh no. Right. I, I get Frank I could I was watching Frank, I was watching the bench and I said to the lads I was stood with. All, all subs have sat down here. It's weird. And Frankie's talking to Tomo and he's talking to Galley. I was just literally watching him and then Frankie turns around and literally points at Barkey and, and Maguire and it's like, you know, even though we were on the other side of the ground, it was like you two. And I was like, right, so okay, makes, I, I, makes, makes I was, sense. I was looking down the touchline, I'm looking and thinking, there's no we're subs over 60 up. minutes here, there's, there's no subs coming because who's out warming up? And then, like you say, I, I noticed him just turn around and just point. point to, I was like, right, okay. So I'm thinking, right, it's stick a twist time here, really. And uh, I get matching him up, get the DJ sub. DJ sub I had no problem with. As soon as he put Josh Hill's number up, I thought, well, what are you doing? Yeah, because Scott Sinclair's on a booking. Can't, you know, he's not exactly the world's greatest tracker back at the best of times. As soon as he went Sinclair, Barkey as wingers because it was four four two. It wasn't four two four, Frankie. It was four four two. As soon as he took, as soon as he took Earl off, I thought, "What are you doing?" Andrew Hughes and Josh Earl have got a great partnership going at the minute. Yeah, you know, Josh Earl's tackle at one nil to keep, you know prevent it going to two nil. You know, when we were four v two, because Alan Brown has actually got back when you watch it back on footage. Um, from Gives the set a piece. lifeline for another five yeah. or ten minutes, doesn't and, it? But the thing is, you, you're breaking up a partnership between Earl and Hughes because Earl protects you so much. Like, and the goal and doesn't happen. Fair, yeah, exactly. But the goal doesn't happen, Jake, with Earl on the pitch, I don't think. You know, it's. Uh, I know it's gone through Hughes's legs, and you could say he's a tad unfortunate when the cross has actually been put into the box, but. Like, I think if Earl's on the pitch, he's actually doubled up on him at that point and he's not been able to get the ball into the box in the first place. And the passage of play that's not on the highlights doesn't happen. You know, and this is four minutes after he's changed shape. And I know you live and die by your decisions as a football manager. You know, I, I completely get that. But when you're keeping personnel on the pitch that probably shouldn't be on the pitch, then I, I struggle to believe in that, that change. And you know, I think the reaction from the fans as soon as he said that, you know, as soon as you seen Josh Earl's number go up, you're thinking, oh no, what we're we doing. And you've got to live and die by those decisions you make as a football manager, unfortunately, and it's not paid off for him. And after that point, we've not laid a glove on him. We, we have we? If we're honest, like 68th minute, the 2 0 up, it, it was always going to be 3 0 rather than 2 1. If we're being honest, Jim, you take that Whiteman chance out, when else will we lay a glove on him? Keeper's not had a, he's not really had a save to make anything that, other than comfortable saves that you'd expect him to make. You know, it's just on the whole, it was just poor, just very, very. We had poor. a few bouncing around from long throw-ins, but you expect that, didn't you? It's eleven yeah. v eleven for ninety minutes, so I don't know what 
you're always going to get that. I don't count them as chances. What I mean, again, going off what fans, Jim said, though, just, just, on, just on the long throw-ins, as fans, is that something you want to see every week? If you're West Brom and you're winning, you can stomach it, can't you? But, um, yeah, no. It's, no so at what it's point in the me. season have we looked threatening off one of them, though? I don't think we ever have. No. I can't off no, the top of my head think I, of I where we've created anything have. from them. Been doing them all season. But going back to what Jim said, and you mentioned his substitutions, like another theme of Frankie's tenure in charge. How many times have I been on this podcast saying, oh, I've been here, I've been there, and he's, he's killed the game of his substitution, thinking to Bristol City, Hull City at home. Redding. Some dodgy ones like bringing, yeah, Redding playing Brad Potts at striker. I just feel this team selection and the subs he makes are just bizarre, and it it, it so, almost suggests like, has he got a plan B or are they just thinking something on the spot? Because hmm. there's no way he's played that system in training and been impressed by it, surely. Well, it's not just, we just his, poor his subs, like me, me and George were saying yesterday after the game, there has to be change in the 11 now. Like, he's relied largely on the same 11, barring maybe one or two changes here and there and it's got us to where we are which is six points off the bottom three and off the back of the defeat yesterday and the manner of the defeat there has to be change there has to be change it's as simple as that you know you're looking at Ali McCann if he's fit back in uh, Ola Sunday if he's fit you move Sepp over to centre back or you give him a rest because he's played near enough every minute of every game this season and you get all of a Sunday in it right wing back. Josh Murphy, not even made a start for the club. Give him a chance instead of giving him six minutes off the bench every other week. I think week. he's played 82 minutes and compared to substitute appearances since he's been here, which is another sort of bordering on pointless signing. You know, you look at the yeah. recruitment in January, not affecting the team. He's another one that, you know, whether he, someone else comes in, we change the system, he plays. I hope I'm wrong in saying this, but at the moment, he's another pointless signing that we're just not seeing anything to improve the first team. Yeah, so I think after yesterday, there has to be change. The, the starting eleven, while it's good on, on one hand to go unchanged and, and have a run of games where players know what they're doing and, and where they're playing and how they're supposed to play, that's all well and good, but if you're not picking up wins, why why would you keep going unchanged? Difficult, isn't it? You know, and I suppose it's like I said before about stick or twist, because... I think what he's got to do if he's in charge for next Saturday, because I'm not fussed about Wednesday night. You know, Wednesday night's right off for me. It's just an opportunity to make a bit of TV money in and hopefully get put a performance together. It's a bit of a gimme, isn't it, really? Well, if, if we get a result, we get a result. If we don't, we don't. It's one of those things. And that's not me being defeatist at all. It's just being realistic in that we're playing a great side and, you know, I just I'm just glad we're going to make a bit of money in from the from the cup tie because what 125 grand for TV fee might sound. Yeah, you know, that'll do. But yeah, I just think, what does he do? You know, Maguire wasn't probably fit to start yesterday. He's not trained a lot this week. You know, because Maguire and Reese is going to be your front two. But could he have changed the midfield at all? You know, DJ was a little bit quiet, um, but out of position. So you got to look at the, the, the whole context of the situation, really. You can't really change the back five because they're not really doing anything wrong. Seppi's a little bit, Seppi's a little bit off form, I think, at the minute. He's had a couple of quieter games. You know, including it's yesterday. Tricky, you know, so. when he's playing out of position, though. To be fair, he's exactly, on the right side yeah. of centre half at the end of the day. Why is that? Why is that so widely accepted, though? Why are fans? I know he's put in some good performances, but like you say, he's a centre half at the end of the day. So why is it accepted that the manager's playing a centre back at wing back? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, cause... he had his hand tied in a bit, didn't he? Because Rafferty wasn't in the twenty-five, but he is now. And you know, whatever your opinion on Joe Rafferty is, he is an actual right back. 
Mm. Well, I might be on a position with lots of change in the future, or well, like near future. Well, all of a sudden he was in the stands with us yesterday. So, walk past me yeah. with a bag of skittles and uh, some water, keeping you in a job, eh, Jim? Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. But um, yeah, it's just like I, I get your point on Josh Murphy. You know, seventy-seven minutes. You know, he's not seven and sub appearances. It's just like frustrating. You know, Brad Potts has started one game this season, but still played ten games. It's like. Mm. Yeah, Even though he played only... though, he was at he was at centre forward. Like it's not his yesterday, position. Yesterday, yesterday though, it's like he come on, and it's like no, I did not get that sub at all. Because when you got Ryan Ledson on the bench, if you're going to put a centre midfielder on it, you know, in a in a game like yesterday, you put Ledson on, don't you? Really, you don't put Potts on. Potts you put on if you want to, you know, see out the game, not bloody chase to win it. So how have you gone through a derby and Ryan Ledson stayed on the bench for the whole no, game? Absolute absolute travesty, isn't it? But, game's nice you know, for a yeah, but you know, they beat us comfortably yesterday. You know, they had 1.4 XG, we had 0.7, 58% of the possession. We only had two shots on target each, they had 11 shots. So, yeah, we were comfortably beaten by the better team on the day. And I absolutely cannot wait to go to work tomorrow with them. Lot. I'm going to get pelters. Yeah, thankfully. I, I live in Blackpool, mate. I know the pain. You and me, Sam, are going to get absolutely abused tomorrow. It started, but, mate. Trust me, I've not been. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> but Jake, we've not even co- talked about commentary, and like we, this whole conversation is an accumulation of recent events. You know, Derby, commentary, um, and yesterday. You know, because we were poor first. We were so poor against commentary. For how Frankie's come out and said that we were okay first half is beyond me because we were so bad. You know, and he got, Frankie and the team got absolute pelters, you know, coming what, off the pitch. What were his comments about um, the reaction at half-time? Oh, didn't he? He, got, he said he got a reaction, but I don't And, and he, he said something, something along the lines of he didn't agree with it. Well, you can disagree agree or disagree all you want. End of the day, as fans, we're going to give our opinion. And I don't think we started the second half that well. You know, I know the goals come on 61 minutes, but I don't think for the first 15 minutes we were that good. You know, the, I think they put, got, took the foot off the gas more than we took the game to them. I was put here. Commentary self-destructed. You know, the substitutions at 2-1 were strange. You know, taking off that O'Hare. I was like, what? You know, he was getting kicked to bits. Hughes should have probably been in the book about 10 minutes before he what, did go in the book. You know, and then taking off Goldcrest. I was like, eh? I know he's coming back for an ankle injury, but I thought it was just strange. And, you know... I thought, like, don't remember, it's a great header by Pat. But the second goal was clever by Brown and a great finish by Emil. Didn't really do much else, did we? I mean, XG-wise, we were 0.6. We scored two goals. They were 0.5. Like, that indicates to me, whilst we've had 16 shots, the quality of those attempts is really poor. You know, 12 shots second half, three on target, two goals. Like, you know, and I talked about on the pod last week about shot volume and the fact that we're second worst in the league. I think we've had about forty shots since. But honestly, <laughs> we've had about note. forty shots. We've had about forty shots. We've scored three. We've scored two goals. But our shot quality is poor. You know, if you think about the two games we've played in that time against Coventry and Blackpool, we've got a combined xG of about one point four. That's being generous. It's played one point three summit. I can't do the maths. And we scored two goals in the same game. Yesterday, we honestly, I can't get my head around it. I know Whiteman's had an them, absolute glorious opportunity, but 
we're not creating much from open play, if we're honest. Well, in them three games, I can only really think of two real clear-cut opportunities. One was Reese's against Derby and one was Whiteman's yesterday. In that Coventry game, in the second half, the goals we scored, they'll be kicking themselves, like you say, because they weren't... I think they were more potentially defensive blunders and obviously strange substitutions and we've gone and really taken the game through. I thought we were, I thought we were decent, qu- played quite well for about 15 minutes in the second half. But even after that, we just sat back and went to the same old system that's served us so poorly all season. I think in the end, they ran out of steam a little bit and the substitutions killed them. But I feel like, you know, potentially a different team and who doesn't make them substitutions that could potentially get back into the game because all we did was sit back and invite the pressure, which is, like you said, been one of the main yeah. factors with sat 18th after 14 games. Sam, I felt about that for the last three games, I think. You know, we've had 10-minute spells in all those three games. Coventry, you know, we get the goal and we get on top of the game. You know, we take the, we, mm. we get the impetus at that point and we see that see the game out quite comfortably in the end. But it's a, it's that 10-minute spell. And you, I think we've had it against Derby, we've had it against Coventry, and we've had it yesterday. We've had a 10-minute spell where you either take the game, you get the game by the scruff of the neck and you, you take control, or you have 10 minutes and then they take, we take control of the game. And, you know, commentary, we took control of it. Great. We've, we've got the impetus. We've got the momentum. I'm sorry, people love me for. But yesterday, we had 10 minutes. And Whiteman's opportunity, that is, is the key point in that 10-minute spell that we had. Like, because if yeah. you noticed, their lad went down with a knock. About two or three minutes later, Alan Bounds had a shout for a penalty. And their lad's gone down with a knock. Took the complete sting out of the game. And it's like, you know, we had to start again and we couldn't do it. That's just good game management on their behalf, though, isn't it? Absolutely. You'd want to see the lads do it themselves, but I don't think we've got, we're capable of doing it at the minute. We used to do it with Fisher, didn't we? He was the king of it back in them, but, you know, he's yeah. tenure at the club. But I think it's championship football. We can't really be aligned on 10 minute spells to win us football matches. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of teams in this league who are performing better than us, probably have better squads than us, have more tactically capable managers than us if you give them 80 minutes in a game to hurt us they will hurt us and they have been hurting us and mm. yeah. you know it's, it's not it's not a long line of problems you can't just rely on spells in games to win games if if you want to win games like obviously I'm not saying the coaching staff don't not want to win games obviously they do but it's um, yeah it's just not good enough it's hard to watch I'm bored watching us sometimes which is a real strange thing to say because watching no offence my hobby has been a big part of my life for umpteen years, but I'm, this is, you know, as long as I've been watching us play games, this is probably the most bored and unsatisfied with the style of football I've been in my lifetime watching us. Yeah. I think Barkey at the nail on the head with that, didn't he? You know, saying he was mm. bored. You know, even players, when players are playing in games and they just want to see us actually try and take the game to an opponent and not be so defensively minded, because let's be honest, if Daniel Iverson's not in the net, We've we have lost some of these games. We're in the There's bottom no... three if he's not in goal. Not sure about bottom three, Jake, because you know Hull, Barnsley, and Derby. Barnsley are in a, an absolute free fall. Derby are playing well, but obviously we've got that minus twelve. Hull, they might have won the other week, but apart from that, you know what they won won an opening day, and they've won one in thirteen since. You know Cardiff, are an absolute. You think we're a shambles, then you know they've lost what eight out of the last nine, and then Peterborough won yesterday with a place below us now and a point behind us. How are Peterborough a point behind us for God's sake? And Birmingham leapfrogged us yesterday. Yeah, Birmingham leapfrogged us yesterday by beating um, they beat Swansea. So 
yeah. And like, I just think something's got to give, you know. I'll come on to Fanky now because look at the past week and the digs he's made. He said, dig at the fans. You know, that comment before you mentioned, Jake, about I'm just, you know, delighted for all the good, honest Preston fans. So basically, those that all do as they're told. You know, dig at Barkey after his press conference and dig at the media for reporting on the press conference. Well, what do you want them to do? Do you want them not to report on, the, on what players are saying? Because what's the point in digging the media out? You're just making the rod for your own back. He's had a dig at Murphy about how he doesn't work hard enough off the ball. And a dig at Whiteman, you know, he needs more from him. That's five sets of the, of you know, the football club in the past week. Yeah. Come on. Uh, well, what, 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 what I thought what was interesting. Jake, Jake Sorry, what point on. is he going to take any criticism on himself and or acceptance for his own performance? We're playing shit football. We're getting shit results, right? You can't tell me, you know, that comment about oh, me, Gally, you know, Tomo and Mike Pollock were all together. You know, it's got to be more than that. You can't just have four of you at United, United front against the world. You know, get the fans on side for God's sake. Because what he's done this week is alienate us a little bit. And not a little yeah, bit, not, a lot. I'll, well, I'm saying a little bit because I, you know, I, my give a shit meter is so low. I don't, I don't really care. But um, <laughs> I just like. It's. I just. I'm just like. You've got. You've had fans that were on your side, and now they're not, based on your comments to the press and the performances that you've given us over the past months. Yeah. You know, we've won one game since the 28th of October. Or 28th of August. You know, it's the 24th of October for God's sake. You know, I'm like. It's all good him coming yeah. out saying I'm a good, honest manager, and he's blaming everyone else around him except looking at himself in the mirror and seeing what can he do to improve. Because there's a lot. Precisely, Sam. Precisely, and fans would respect you a lot more. If you came out and said, "Look, I've made a, made a mistake here. Look, I know you know I am learning because you are learning as a head coach. You know that's bit <laughs> make no bones about it. And like just that degree of honesty in, in your comments because we weren't three four three, and if we were three four three, it didn't bloody look like it from the stands. And I, I'm pretty sure most people won't agree with that, that. You know, digging out your players is not a good. It's it only ends one way, and it won't <laughs> and it won't be the players losing the job. Never is, is it? Never is. But... I think the one positive Frankie had was the way he brought the players together after the toxicity under, you know, in the manner at which Alex Neal left. But he seems to be undoing all that good work, which is probably the one. I think it's undone now, Sam. I think he had to stand on. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Like, I think the, the change from the almost regimented style and the way that Alex had the training ground from what we're told to Frankie and, and relaxing things a lot and you know, making things probably a bit more enjoyable for the lads to go into work. I think that was always going to get you a bounce. I think that was always going to get you an improvement. But, and we said this at the start of the season, Jim, the key for Frankie is going to be when you're in the thick of the season, how he copes with that, how he deals with injuries, how he deals with suspensions, how he deals with pressure from outside. And so far, he's not dealt very well with any of them. Well, the shackle, he took the shackles off the players. Yeah. That's the deal on end all of it. He took the shackles off. But then we've had a disastrous pre-season in terms of results, in terms of fixtures. That trans, you know, that transpired into the opening three league games of the season, which we've lost all three of them. Yes, we won beat Swansea, who had just changed manager and a manager that hadn't implemented his style in the football club at that moment in time in Russell Martin. And then Peterborough. Let's not forget though, they went one 0 up, and we we went straight up yeah, to the end and scored. And and that, 
I suspect that probably knocked him quite a bit. Possibly, yeah. I mean, don't run the wrong, he's still it's only two points above us in the table. Um, but if you're a Swansea fan and you're seeing, you know, your team batter your local rivals 3 0, then beat West Brom, you know, in the space of you know four days, your feeling towards your manager or head coach as Russell Martin is, is gonna be completely different than our fans' mindset at this moment in time that have seen three very abject performances on on the whole, you know, take that half an hour against Coventry out of the equation. You know, us get beat 2-0 in a local derby against our biggest rivals, you know, and not lay a glove on him. You know, fans, of course, they're going to be pissed off. You know, what do you expect? Oh, yeah, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. You know, this is fine. You know, my favourite gif, as we all know. You know, the house is fucking burning down. And, like, I'm just so frustrated. I'm so pissed off today. And I, I just I just can't see it ending well. You know, I just... I. I I came off the game and I wanted to be really reflective. I didn't even drink. I didn't drink yesterday. I, like, I wanted to have my wits about me all day because I hate the place, you know, in terms of around the football ground because it's just, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I just wanted to watch it first hand because, you know, having a few scoops sort of can blur your vision a little bit and, you know, you might not have the same perception on the game. And I just came off and I was just like, oh, this isn't working. Sorry, I was just reading there. Uh... The he's got to go thread on PNA online. Someone else has just said, Stop the press. Maybe he's gone. I think the thing is, Jake, if he has gone, you know, and by this, by the time this podcast comes out, he might have gone. Uh, what do you do? You know, I, I, I have no ill feeling towards Frankie. You know, people might listen to his podcast and think, you know, he hates him. I don't hate him. I don't hate anybody. I'm quite a, a liberally minded person in terms of that, where I, I'm very into equality and. Everyone's got the right to express their own opinion. But he did great last season, you know, the back end. And he earned the job. He earned the job. You know, like we said on the, on here, he, we couldn't not give it him in a way. He's won five out of nine. Three draws and, you know, that heavy defeat against Brentford. We couldn't not give it him. You know, it'd probably been unfair. You know, he's picking up two points a game. I get the fixtures were a little bit dead rubbery at times, you know, and, and the opposition probably did give up. There was no fans in the ground. That had an that had an impact in my opinion, anyway. But you could tell that there was warning signs throughout the summer, you know, pre-season and then the opening three league games. That I just don't think this is going to work out well. And you know, in a couple of the groups I'm in, we said I think it'll be gone by Halloween. And if that transpires to be true, nobody wants to be right on that because everyone wanted him to be successful here. Unfortunately, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. And he seems a lovely guy. You know, I'm not going to hold any ill feeling against him because he gave it his best shot. But sometimes you're not cut out to be a manager, Mm. you know, or a head coach, that figurehead of a club. And he's probably a great number two. He's probably great around the players. But to have that pressure on you as the number one in the football club. Doesn't seem like he's cut out for it, does it? No, but you've got to be a special sort of character to do that. Mm. It's not for everyone. You know, some of the greatest players that have ever played the game have made awful number ones. You know, sometimes you're just not cut out to be. You can be an absolutely bog-standard player, but be a bloody great coach, you know, and a great motivator and man manager. <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about Eddie Howe and players like, of that calibre that have never represented the country, never played at the top of, the, of their profession, but still gain a respect and understanding from the peers and from the players to be able to get a performance out of their players every week. You know, so look, 
if it happens, there's no ill feeling from us. You know, I know we critique you, Frankie, but that's because we're fans and that's because we're passionate about this football club. It, but it, that's that's it. We're fans of the football club at the end of the day, and that will always be number one, regardless who is at the club in whatever role. Our love will always be for Preston North End, and you know what? We're entitled to to give our opinions on things. You know, I don't think we're being uh, overly harsh or overly criticised, as as it was referred to during the week. Um, you know, we don't. We don't come on here calling people fit to burn and slagging them off and whatnot. We we try and back things up with stats and and, and opinions and you know I think we're more than entitled to do that. To be honest, um, we'll say the positives when they're there. Though we maybe also we thought when we captured uh, Ali McCann, it was a great bit of business. You know, we spoke a lot of positive things about the new fan zone and some of the things the club have done off the pitch. But at the end of the day, things now aren't good enough. So it's going to it's hard to have a positive outlook on things when at the end of the day we're performing so terribly on the pitch and there's so many problems off the pitch. That's just things, the nature of things. things. Aren't it's all good going enough. swell, you'll say positive things. Things aren't good enough in the most important aspect of the football club and that is on the pitch. And and that exactly. ultimately, whoever's in charge, whether it's Alex Neal, Frankie McAvoy, whoever may come in in the future, whoever it is, if that's never good enough, you know, we'll we'll criticise, and people might say, "Oh, well, you never criticised Alex Neal." If you go back and listen to some of the old episodes toward the end of Alex's time, I think you'll find we did. Um, maybe not to the extent that we're criticising Frankie. Some might say, but we did. So, um, yeah, I think boys, have you got anything else you want to add for for part one? No, let's get some questions in part two, mate, and then I can um, go and drown my sorrows. Yep, sound. Right, I'll go get a brew and uh, I'll see you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we'll preview the two games that are coming up this next week, and we've got a few questions to answer as well. So, yeah, we'll dive in, boys, with a question here from uh, Jim. I think it's your pal, is it, Ian Cookson? Ah, uh, Cookie. He's asked, how does Mr McAvoy turn this around? A changing system, personnel, or I'm going to add to it, can he change it around? Is it too far gone? No, I don't, I don't see him changing it around, to be fair. We've spoken in the first part about his... Struggles with substitutions, he struggles with his tactics. I think what we need going forward is potentially a manager or Frankie to do it is to probably find a system that suits the players we've got. I know Ollie O'Connell at the nail on the head on Wednesday night saying that we've got so many players that are always being forced into a system that doesn't suit them as a group and is probably leading towards these dire performances. So whoever it is, Frankie or someone else, they need to find a system, whether it be four at the back, three at the back, that suits the players we've got and hopefully turns results around but me personally I don't see Frankie doing that and I think he's had enough time to show that he could Tactically I don't think he can turn it around I think we are pretty much at the point of no return I think when you're calling out players in the press and you're having a go at different sections of the fan base and the media then 
that the damage that you can do at that point it becomes a, untenable in terms of like you know you can't turn around that round overnight you know can't but you can't bring rewind the clock 24 hours and put in a performance against Blackpool because it's done now it's in the history books that they beat us 2-0 at their place on the 23rd of October 2021 you know and Frankie McAvoy was our head coach that can and, never be undone and it'll never and, be forgotten no, I think it was an unforgivable performance yesterday, but that's just my two pennies on it. Like, and I think I, I don't think it can turn it around. Is my is the answer to the question? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's an answer to it. I, you know, I, I I I just don't. I just don't think he can do. And it's it's just down to the fact that I don't think he's he's very capable tactically. And I, I just when he's called out three different of his three different players this week in the press, I just think, oh dear, you know, if that's what's happening, you know, in the press and what's happening behind closed doors. It the way that he's come out and like you say, with everything that he said in the last week or so, you gotta imagine that there can't be many pleased with some of his comments at the club. No, you wouldn't have thought so, would you really? I'd be, I'd, be cons- I'd be equally concerned if people think that's okay. So, next question. Do you think Brown and Johnson can play in the same team together? They, had to, they did do for quite a considerable length of time. Yeah, And we were successful with them both in the team. Yeah, there was quite a long period of time when both of them were playing week in, week out, and we were actually quite good. Um, I think in a different shape that's maybe not too up front, because... You know, whilst Frankie's deviated from it yesterday, he's had, he's given them no reason, no support at all, and the majority of the, the game, you know, 60, 61 minutes was it when he made the substitutions? Um, just flicking back to my note, sixty-four minutes of sub, sorry. Um, you know, and he's left a meal so isolated during the game. You know, if he played two tens, he played Pearson and DJ, um, Pearson, Brown and DJ, sorry. Um, if I there's two tens, yeah, no, um, <laughs> and you play four, you play four at the back and. You know, you go back to the old shape of sort of a a four two three one, and you can probably use you know DJ in that left hand side role if needs be, and you can tuck inside and give Josh Earl potentially loads of room on that left hand touchline to bomb on and get forward. You know, that's personally what I think he probably could do. We're looking at doing um, and reverting back to a four at the back because let's be fair, when we've been at our best in the past three, four years. That's the shape we've been playing. You know, that, that four, two, three, one. Now it's, um, yeah, I, I just, I just think it's very nothingness. And I, you know, I, I just don't feel anything like in terms of what they're doing in terms of shape and fluidity as a team and passages of play. It's just so numbing to watch. Just, I, but, you know, come back to that Barker comment, he just hit the nail on the head. He, he probably said what every fan had been thinking. And it's like, and he gets criticised for it quite wrongly by some sections of the fan base, in my opinion. You know, because then at day just saying what he wants to, th- saying what he thinks. You know, I don't think Tom's that asked about football, to be honest. I think he, you know, he'd happily give it up tomorrow if he, if he need, needed to. He just wanted to say what he thought. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's that same point, though, isn't it? That Ollie said we're fitting players into a certain system that doesn't suit them as players rather than, I think, frankly, the approach seems to be fit the players into this system instead of find a system that fits the players. I think that's one of mm. probably been one of the biggest criticisms, you know, under Alex Neal, perhaps one of his selection headaches. I think Brown and Johnson's best position is probably the 
middle of the three in the four two three one. You know, we've seen Spells and Alex's tenure where Brown's had a successful season. It obviously hit ten plus in Neil's first two seasons. You've seen what Johnson's capable of there as well. So I think that's like people seem to have this image that they can't play together. But personally for me, I think you can fit them in the same team. I think probably have Johnson as the number ten because on his days probably one of the best number 10s in the championship. And if you can sit Brown a little deeper, but still give him licence to get forward. And obviously the advantages of Brown in the team is he keeps the ball well. He's captain. He's clearly passionate. That's why he probably got sent off yesterday. So I think it's about finding a system that suits them both as opposed to trying yeah. to fit them both into a system that doesn't suit them. That's the thing like for me. You know, there's games on Alex Neal. I, I hate talking about the past. It drives me mad. But like, we played could play three tens at one point. You know, the midfield three, you know, behind the striker was like made up of number tens. And it happened, like there'd be times when Barkey would play as the right hand side and you'd have two tens in the other position and you know, it'd drop into a midfield five. And you don't mind that when you know that you're actually gonna try and attack a game. But like at the minute, I just don't see us attacking a game. You know, this back five, it's just boring. Like, you know, I feel for set because like he's got our third most minutes in the team this season. He's 19 years old. You know, the expectation on him is probably quite high. You know, he played in probably his first big derby game yesterday. I don't know if he played in any for Zola, but like, it just felt like he was a bit of a rabbit in the headlights and he probably just needs to be taken out the firing line a little bit at the minute. And yeah, I just, I just don't know what to do. Is the, is, you know, if we're going to put anything on it, I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah, so this, this one, again, all these have come off Twitter. Um, this one's from Adam Smith, and he's asking if the club don't get rid of him by Liverpool, how do you think the atmosphere will be around the stadium? And two, who would you choose for the next manager should Frankie go? Obviously, uh, this is hypothetical. It, you know, Frankie's still in charge. He's he's more than entitled to feel probably a bit aggrieved that we're having this discussion, but I think it needs to be had personally. Uh, well, in terms of Liverpool game, I think. In a way, I'm looking forward to it a lot because there's been a lot of pressure around the league. You're going into each game worrying about the league position, your opposition. There's a lot of pressure. This game's literally just a free hit. It's really a chance, you know, the, the City of Preston to come together and hopefully have a, a big gate, a good atmosphere that we're all going to enjoy. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I've never gone into a cup game less confident than I am for this one. But, you know, hopefully give a team a run for their money, have a good performance. It's a chance for perhaps some players on the fringes who haven't been featuring as much recently, like Sir Ledson, to come in and stake a claim for the league. And uh, as for uh, the next manager, I think whatever direction the club moves in, whether it's keeping Frankie or, you know, moving on without Frankie, like you say, he's in position as we speak. So, you know, I'm not saying this to sort of force anyone out or attempt to do that. But I think, in my opinion, we need to go down a system where we're going to have a manager who's going to, similar to what Swansea have done with Russell Martin, he's going to bring a system and, they're going to give him time to fit the players into this system, whether that be someone like Michael Appleton, Ryan Lowe, Carl Robinson, for example, who play good football through the thirds and along the floor, a bit like Blackpool did yesterday, I think. Although it might not be a, the, necessarily the smoothest of transitions, it might be a bit of a rocky start while the players adapt. So I want a manager who's going to come, bring some sort of attractive, high-tempo football that has obviously caused us problems this season, like when teams have come to us, a bit like Blackpool did yesterday. And, just build with that, really, give them time, and that's personally the route I'd like the club to go down. Yeah, just on on the Liverpool game, what what do you think the atmosphere will be like around the ground if he's, I think, if he's still in charge, obviously? I mean, I don't want to beat around the bus. There's likely going to be a lot of people getting tickets who aren't 
going on the league games and potentially aren't knowing what it's like. Potentially, there will be a few Liverpool fans in the home end, so I don't think it would be as toxic as if it was a big league game with a similar crowd. But then again, I think you know, it's any chance that we're doing poorly, the fans are inevitably going to end up getting on the players back, whether it be a misplaced pass or something. So I feel if it's one of them games that Liverpool come, really show the qualities, because no matter what team plays, whether it's Liverpool, a few of the first team, the kids, sort of players on the fringe of the first team, you know they've got a lot of quality on them and they're likely to come and dominate the game. So I think my biggest worry for this game, although I am looking forward to it, is there's no pressure like a league game, is I'm quite worried they'll come, dominate the game and our fans will end up getting on the players' backs early and it'll sort of lead to quite a toxic atmosphere as well at the end of the day it could be a good night for the city because they're always nice nights when big teams come and you have a big crowd at Deepdale but yeah. you know it all depends on how it pans out really yeah now and delight so is good good evening isn't it really um, how will the crowd be I think it'll be a bit of apathy you know a bit of apathy you know because everyone's just a bit like mm. um, I mean I looked at the Liverpool team that played Norwich in the last round and you know, whilst it's no real first teamers, you know, Shimikas, Gomez, um, Oxlade Chamberlain, Curtis Jones, uh, Naby Keita, Minamino, Origi. Konate and, um, paid, what, 40, 50 million Konate, for him in the uh, summer? And then and, there was two um, young lads as well, weren't there? Cade, yeah, Cade Gordon and uh, Connor Bradley. So, you know, you look at that and then the bench was just like Adrian, Jordan Anderson, Diego Jota, you know, um, Andrew Robertson. So they had a decent bench as well. So, you know, I think Liverpool will respect the tie. Um, they'll probably play a decent side. So, uh, by decent, I mean, I'm not expecting to see the best player in the world at this moment in time in Mohamed Salah, you know, Grace Deepdale. Um, but, you know, I think he'll respect the, respect the fixture as it what it is. And as much as I dislike Liverpool as a football club, I can't help but respect Jurgen Klopp and the job he's done there because he's done a phenomenal job there. You know, in terms of us, you know, I don't really want to comment on who the next manager might be because I, I find it a little bit disrespectful to Frankie in a way because, like, he's, he's still in a job. There is a, you know, a couple of people in mind, you know, I think you might mention there in terms of, you know, Callum Davidson is definitely one. This, uh, I just think there's something in this Nicky Butt thing, you know, from the summer. You know, Nicky Butt left Man United with nothing to go to. I just find that a little bit bizarre and. Maybe he reading, uh, reading an Maybe. interview that he did with the Athletic about two weeks ago. And mm, I read that. Thinking off the back of that, I felt the same. I thought I feel like there's potentially something in that. Yeah, I just think he'll go into a position where you know he can use his contacts within the game to build a side and build a team with real identity. My my overriding concern is with whoever comes in next after Frankie. You know, should Frankie leave the club, is that. You know, we work on a structure that's, you know, of a head coach now, you know, with recruitment analysts and repeat overseeing transfers as well. So, you know, what changes really? You know, we're not going to be able to make many changes until January. We don't know what money is going to be available after, you know, after Trevor passing away. You know, we don't know what, what the plan is. You know, there's obviously talk that it's business as usual, but is it business as usual or is it, you know, in terms of like the family putting in eight, nine million pound a year to keep us going, or is it? I think while business, there's no, I think while know, there's no statement and no clarification, I think that's what you have to expect that it will yeah. just be business as usual. But before, obviously, before we started recording, uh, Sam and I were talking, and I said said this to Sam. I might have even said it in part one. I can't remember, but you know, when 
when the next man comes in, I think we all know the circumstances and, and the arrangements of how they're going to have to work at the club. I think you need someone like Sam said that's going to come with a bit of an identity, but as well they have to be able to separate the football from the rest of the club, focus on the players, focus on the squad. Whatever happens outside of that, that's out of their control. They have to be the person that's going to bring an identity to the club on the pitch. Which is yeah, what Alex Neil did so well during the you know, the first three years of his tenure. Yeah. So yeah, I just um, I just don't know. I just uh, just don't feel anything today. Like I just want to, I just want to get tomorrow over and done with, and then enjoy the rest of my week. Hopefully, it's just like. Just like you know, we just like count down the minutes at this moment in time in terms of yeah. like you're just thinking, and then the Liverpool game is obviously Wednesday, and it's like uh, at least yeah, we're just gonna wait and see what happens. There's no point. Like I, I just don't feel that. Whilst I think a change is needed, like there'll be there's people at the club that will know who they want to get in next. Or I hope they do anyway. Christ, if they, if they don't, if they, if they part ways with the head coach and don't have a plan, then Christ. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, doesn't fill you with confidence if that's the case, does it? No. So, another one that's come in. Is the club in its natural position in the league hierarchy? Kenny's plan for success has to involve punching above our weight. At the moment, we are where we should be, given finances, size of fan base, etc. Yeah, very good comment. Um, you know, I think you only have to look at where we're at financially. We, you know, we're bottom six side in this league. So, yeah, we probably are where we, want, where we should be. Um, in terms of that, you know, we're still out, we're massively outspending our turnover. I think it was 167% in the last accounts. Um, just trying to get my, my account spreadsheet up 179% of turnover to staff costs. You know, we've lost money as a, as a football club in five of the last eight, well, sorry, seven out of the last eight years. So we, we can't really say we're not having a go because the business is still losing money despite and we're spending more money than it's actually coming through into the pot. You know, our staffing costs are £20 million for the season before COVID hit or the season during which COVID hit where um, obviously up to the end of June 2020. So we keep putting money into the football club, you know, £8 million last year, but like what are they actually getting from it? So maybe we are where we, where we should be. Not ideal at the minute. We're just where we should be. You know, look at if you compare us to Brentford. You know, last five years, so only the last year that Brentford really um, outspend us, outspent us in terms of like wage spend. You know, they put it up to twenty six million quid. You know, apart from that, every other year we've pretty much been within a million quid of them. So you know, and look where Brentford are now, they're, they're in the promised land. So. I, think, I, I just want to caveat all this and just say this isn't um, this isn't us being perhaps defeatist and and saying ah well we are where we are so crack on kind of thing like we are a club that generally punches above our weight and generally has to have an asset to sell on in order to progress and in order to move on but it doesn't mean to say that you can expect you can't not expect more from the club, both on and off the pitch. That's the thing, though, Jay. Like, you've got, we've got to have a plan. That's the, the the big thing is like you know, look at Brentford, and I know I kiss Brentford's ass a lot on here, but 
they had a plan. You know, this is a plan that's been coming to fruition, you know, it's been building year on year since about 2013, 2014. You know, under Matthew Benham, you know, the directors of football, there's a cracking YouTube video out there about we do things differently. And you've got to want to do things differently as a football club because if you look at where we are geographically, we're surrounded by Premier League football clubs and clubs of a bigger stature than us. You know, within an hour, you can probably get to Everton, Man United, Man City, Burnley, that are all Premier League clubs. You know, and a little bit further up at Liverpool, yeah. It's like, you know, you can go a bit further afield. You can get to probably probably Leeds in an hour and a half, you know, that are a Premier League club. You know, so I think for where we're at geographically, I don't think there's many football clubs out there that have to compete with so many big boys, if you want to call them that. And people get the hump about, like, people from Preston not supporting the hometown team. You know, people get brought up differently. You know, you know, the dad might have once gone to Man United and got the whole, got the love for it. And then, even though they've never been from Manchester or anything like that, and it, it can be really frustrating for us as Prestonians to see other Prestonians not supporting North End, but they don't have to support North End. You know, that's just up to them. You know, we're from the town. We support the football club because that's the way we've been brought up. But, like, from a, a youth point of view as well, like, you know, we're a Category 3 academy. You know, Fleetwood down the road are going for Category 2. Well, if they've got the money to. Um, and it's like, you know, we should be feed, We should be getting all the casts off. From, I was just going to uh, say. At 16. At 16 yeah. from the likes of City, United, all the Category 1 academies, even Blackburn Rovers, you know, the Category 1 academy, you, you know, they're spending probably £4 million a year on the academy itself. And... It's like, you know, we're probably spending about 700, 800 grand on it. You know, it's like, I get it, you know, because that's the way our business is. But, like, we can't say, like, oh, we're not getting any talent through the academy, blah, 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 blah. And then we give out loads of contracts this summer. And it's like, oh, the horse is sort of bolted here. But, you know, we should be picking up all these kids at 16. What's stopping us picking up these kids? You know, from the, your, your big clubs, There's, there shouldn't be anything out there to stop us. We've, we've you know, done apart it in the from past, money. haven't we? Well, Josh Brownhill's the prime Josh example. Brown, you know, Tyrese Dolan. Yeah, and they've been released Going at 16. Back, we've got Adam Barton from Rovers. Hey, Cowley saw him yesterday. I don't know if you've seen the picture. He was playing for Farsley Celtic. Um, oh, was he? Him, him, him and Will Hayhurst both playing against Fowler saying, and they actually beat Fowler yesterday. Oh. But there's, Cowley got a picture of uh, Adam Barton. In, I think him and Will Hayhurst are pals anyway from years ago. Yeah, so um, yeah, but yeah, I think there's a lot in that answer. I'm sorry for waffling on, but like, we just need a different. If we if we to any, you know, not even if we part ways with the manager, it doesn't solve all. You know, it's not a silver bullet in terms of all the problems we've got. You know, it's like when we got rid of Alex Neal, it wasn't a silver bullet, like and solved all the problems that we've got as a football club just by making that one sack in and one person losing the job. Like, there's so many things that maybe we just need to to have a, a philosophy and a plan going forward that everyone buys into, you know, not yeah. just players and coaches and staff, but the, the biggest part of any philosophy and pl- project is you get the fans on board as well because without us, you know, we're, we're just going to think of what the bloody hell is going on. And there doesn't really feel like, and this is as much on, I think, on the fans as it is on the club, there doesn't really feel like there's much of a connect between the two at the moment. And I know we've got Press and Supporters Collective and other various parties that are trying to sort of bring that connection together, but 
while the fan base is so divided as well, it doesn't bode for a good atmosphere off the pitch, in my opinion, and it makes it harder to try and connect the two. Um, you know, the club credit them. They've listened to the collective, they've listened to fans, and, you know, they've brought the fan zone in. But I think looking long and hard at ourselves off the pitch, we can, we can do more. I think the good thing about the collective is at least we've got some sort of presence from the football club now that we haven't had. But as fan base, we've got to become more united. We can't have factions and can't have splinters because this moment in time we need to be together. It's so key, you know, especially for us as a club. So yeah, because it was the Blackpool yesterday. They're all sort of pulling in the same direction, and it yeah, a sort of a monster atmosphere before the game. A good feeling around the club. It's what we need, really, and that we haven't had. In a fair few years now, really, with all the yeah. sort of issues off the pitch. Led by their supporters group that was in the North Stand that created an absolutely amazing atmosphere. So it shows it can be done. Credit where it's due, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Boys, Jimmy, I'm going to have to de- shoot. Departing. I'm going to shoot, yeah, but um, have a good week. I will um, catch up with you next Sunday, I'm guessing, after Luton game. Mm-hmm. But um, have a good week. Have a good end of the pod. Cheers, pal. Got to go and deal Cheers, with mate, um, okay. chaos. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> All right, guys. Right, yeah, I'll see you later. Uh, yeah, Jim's gone. And then there was so, uh, you and I will we'll skim over the Liverpool game and the Luton game. I think, to be honest, I can't imagine many people are too interested in in the previews for either. Um, I think we touched on Liverpool a little bit before. Obviously, it's going to be very much a second string. Won't be surprised if there's a couple of youngsters involved. They on the day that we're recording are playing Man United so I can't imagine there's going to be many first teamers involved in the squad and is it Champions League next week as well? It is yeah so, so busy yeah. fixtures for Liverpool so it's, a, it's a busy fixture schedule I can't imagine they're going to be chucking the likes of Salah, Mane um, Firmino Fabinho in Van Dijk yeah. so it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, definitely, because can we afford to get pumped again, even though it is I think Liverpool? All we're asked, I know, no one's going in and expecting us to you know, go and beat Liverpool. It's not like a league fixture, but certainly from my perspective as a fan, no matter what team he plays, and to be fair, Frankie, we've had some uh, good runs in the cup. He tends to field a fairly decent team for each uh, fixture so far, which was another criticism of Alex Neal that some people had as he tended to disregard the cups like I said we're going to go in heavy underdog they just want to see a performance where you know we're not putting ourselves to shame it's on Sky Sports so I just want to see a good performance players giving the role even if he tries someone and we try a bit of attacking football you know I know it's Liverpool but it's a cup fixture it's if you're aiming to try something new try it in a cup fixture just give us a performance that us Prestonians and anyone watching sort of around the world on Sky can say that was a good performance they tried the best that's all we can really ask for I think yeah, I think the, obviously with Liverpool being involved, there's probably going to be a lot of neutrals as well. And the last thing you want as a fan of the club is just to see a performance where we'll roll over and have our bellies tickled. It's the last thing we need as a football club at the moment. We just want to, to give us a bit of pride as supporters, which is what yeah. we've lost, I think, over this season. What's your prediction for the Liverpool game, mate? I think we'll lose 3-1. I think we'll score, but I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose 4-0. Optimistic. There's <laughs> not much to be optimistic about at the minute. Like you say, though, if it's, not, if it's a good performance, a battling performance, and something that you can come away from and go, do you know what? They've just got too much quality. Then I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd take that. As, as long as that could, as that may sound. 
as long as I genuinely feel they've given me a performance I can clap off at the end, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Give us some of a bit of a pride as supporters to take. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Luton game then. Uh, it could potentially be Frankie's last in charge. And, you know, when you're a, when you're a manager under pressure, I don't suppose there's, there's ever an easy game really, but this definitely isn't an easy game. You know, the fifth in the table, they've lost one in the last eight. They've won three and drawn two of the last five. Uh, they beat Coventry 5-0 at the end of September. Yeah, it, it's going to be... It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Yeah, it always feels a bit deja vu, doesn't it? I was saying to you before we were recording, you know, Alex Neil went into his last game in charge against Luton, knowing that it was basically a good result or bust, and there's sort of a similar feeling, a similar aura around the club going into this with uh, Frankie. Like you say, it's a horrible team to play. They're quite a physical team as well. But I think one thing Luton have done well since I've got into the Championship is they've added bits of quality. They have got a manager who knows the players really well he's been there and had time to real build so when they have a lot of a manager as well quality in the think, final third I think understands the club yeah exactly um, is... but you know they've only lost three games all season got pumped 5-0 by Birmingham they lost 3-2 to West Brom which is no shame really you know West Brom are, are flying at the minute second in the table uh, and they lost 2-1 to Bournemouth who are top so <laughs> No, they're no pushovers. Oh. They they did have a spell in the middle of the season to date where they drew four games on the bounce, but you know, they've they've picked up wins where they've needed to and, and the fifth in the table. I think the thing is Luton, I think it is possible to score goals against them. You look through obviously they got uh, conceded three to West Brom, five to Birmingham. I think am I right in thinking earlier in the season they blew a three goal lead to Swansea. I think they looked pretty comfortable at half time yeah, and then Swansea did. ended up pulling it back. So there are you know, there are ways to exploit them, but I feel like the teams that really do not suit us at the moment are teams that could score a lot of goals, which Luton are obviously capable of doing. So, like you said before, it's really not a game that you'd handpick to sort of have your job resting on. But at the end of the day, it's the championship you play. Yeah. You know, you play you play 23 teams twice in a season and you've got to play these teams. And we just, hopefully Frankie will set, up a, set us up in a system that a bit abnormal to what we're used to and that hopefully get the best out of the players and, Stifle a Luton team who are, you know, very much overperforming this season and, you know, on course for the playoffs as they stand fifth in the table. Yeah, which is like again massive said, credit you know, to them. They, they score a lot of goals of the fifth highest scorers in the league. They've got twenty three. Um and they concede an average amount. They've conceded eighteen, which puts them what ninth in the table for most goals conceded. So like you say, they can be got at. Um, but let's not forget five of those came in one game so three at Swansea and West Brom as well so that's 11 in three yeah so if they're on the if they're on the on the game you know it could could be difficult for us to break them down you know like Jim said before our XG at the weekend wasn't very good Um, our what's the word the amount of shots that we're having, not very good. Shot volume, that's all. Shot volume, that's it. The, the, yeah, the shot volume's not not great. We're not really a team at the minute that inspires confidence when it comes to scoring lots of goals. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. A team like Luton, it's not one of them games where we can just sit and, you know, sort of sit with our backs, you know, on the edge of our own boxes for 80 minutes because they yeah. will break us down, they very good at doing that. We're going to have to get up in their faces and attempt to, you know, stifle them higher up the pitch, which is not the real style we have under Frankie, but it's one I think we're going to 
have to adapt playing one of the team like Luton. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's your prediction for it, mate? Uh, three 0 to Luton. Frankie loses his job. Jeez. Yeah, I'm not too different. To be fair, I think they'll win two. <laughs> yeah, comfortable. Um, there's just there's just not much to be positive about. You know, off the back of yesterday as well, I think people can understand why we're probably a little bit deflated and and not holding much hope for the club at the moment or the team, should I say? There's um, no encouraging signs, is there? Like, you know, we look. Got battered no, at like, Derby, like battered first half at Cov, battered 90 minutes yesterday. It's not like it's improving. Even go before the international break, battered by Stoke. Yeah, like you said battered about in the Liverpool first, the last on 20 Wednesday. Minutes to keep you, yeah. you know, you you're looking at Liverpool and thinking if if that if that's a game where they can give us a performance to be proud of, then you'll be pleased with that because sel- sel- we've seldom seen any this season. And against Swansea, we look quite good. Uh, 20 minutes against Coventry, we look good. But even then, I think I think the teams we've beaten probably didn't turn up on the day. I don't think we've particularly outplayed a team all season. Which yeah, is we've, it's not like we've got yeah, trade had. Yeah, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, mate, then we can we can wrap that up there. Obviously, thanks to, to Jim for joining us before as well. No, that's everything. Thank you very much for having me on again. Not a problem, mate. Anytime, anytime. Um, yeah, obviously, horrendous way to uh, to have your weekend go is is your first game against your your bitter rivals in the league for over a decade and if we're being honest we're showing up off and on the pitch but yeah thanks very much for sticking with us thanks for listening to episode 12 of the podcast hopefully you enjoyed it and we'll be back as usual next week and don't forget if you head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finney you can support us that way or if you're listening on an Apple device, on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review in there. So, yeah, appreciate that if, if anyone does that. Sam, thank you very much, mate. Much appreciated. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much. And Jim, if you're listening back to this, thank you. <laughs>